You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 443, the quiz of great magnitude. Is being kind more than just a slogan for woke warriors? And do we need a new punk revolution? That's all coming up after George Harrison and What Is Life?
originally written as a sort of catchy, upbeat pop song for Billy Preston to record. It was held back for the All Things Must Pass album, with, of course, band Badfinger as backing band and inevitably uh, Eric Clapton on guitar from oh, February 1971. George Harrison and What Is Life? I for- I say I forget how much is on All Things Must Pass. I think everyone does, given that it's a triple album, isn't it? But it's I, you know I I forget it's all one album. If you see what I mean, it is so oh, long. Yeah. But there's some there's some great tracks on that. That's a brilliant choice. Happy birthday to George Harrison, who would have been 77 earlier this week on the 25th, and have a happy actual birthday to my dad, who was 79 on the same day. There we are. It, the only difference being your dad wasn't in the Beatles, I suppose. I know, otherwise, I they would have been a considerably better band had he been. Had he been in, been. yeah, I'm sure. sure that's right. been a bit yeah, and you know, we we wouldn't have had to deal with any of the uh, Rocky Raccoon style nonsense. I think if my dad had been in, it would have been like having two Lennons. I think. Well, then, if only we could go back in time and change it all round. Welcome to the podcast from the Paris Council. It's episode 443. I'm Terence Stackham, and well, let's check if she has her blue passport yet. It's Juliet <laughs> Harris. I'm delighted to tell you that I managed to get one of the very last European Union British passports when I had to review in March, renew in March last year, and my renewal date was the 29th of March, the date we were meant to be leaving the EU, so I will waive that with pride, and of course I hope, and I'm sure I'll get shouted at in some quarters for this, but uh, I can but hope that when I have to renew it in 2029, I might still get a European passport, who knows, stranger things have happened. Hello. You've got your, you've got your country back, what more do you want? I mean, the thing is that I never felt I lost my country in the race. I was perfectly happy being able to buy Italian food in the supermarket. I thought that was a good thing. But anyway, yes, I understand. Time for our opening feature, the quiz. Hmm. Infinite magnitude. Absolutely. Um, So so big. It is, in fact, its own gravitational system. uh, Our contestants in this quiz are asked to identify five items on a theme with bonus points for spotting the artists or the song. Um, now, let me just check who our contestants are this week. I've, I've got their names here. Um, oh, once again, it's you, the listener. And let me just see. Oh, and it's you, the Juliet Harris. Oh, it is. I always yeah, yeah, but yeah, it is. I'd happy to just leave it to the listeners, but I admit that that makes doing this on Skype quite hard. So I'm willing <laughs> to be a conduit once again. There's five... Uh, very short clips of music in 30 seconds, all on the theme of Juliet Lucy Harris, insects. Week. Oh, lovely. That is that yeah. is very that is very nice. Might be types of insects, might be insect related. Mm, OK, very, that's very, very easy one to get you underway. Turn off your mind, relax and float down Well, there we are, Juliet Lucy. That 30 seconds went very quick indeed. Oh, so so the first one, um, per- hardy perennials of our quizzes on this yes, uh, on yes. this podcast, The Beatles and Tomorrow Never Knows. Oh, so good for the insect, The Beatles, and a bonus for Tomorrow Never Knows. Very, very good. Secondly, 
Uh, apparently, ridicule is nothing to be scared of, which <laughs> you and I probably have experienced this more than many, oh. some might say. Um, Adam oh. and his ants and Prince ants. Again, four out of four, Ants is the insect and bonus for Prince Charming. Well done for resisting Ant music, by the way. I couldn't have done. I would have done it double Ant-wise there, I think. Um, The token token non-gib BG giving us a rendition there. The BGs and a staying alive. B is the insect staying alive. Um, number four. I did chuckle. You are excelling yourself at this, Terence. I must admit. A sting. I see what you did there. An Englishman yeah. in New York. Gosh, you're doing so well. Eight out of eight. Can you make it the full ten out of ten? Let's I see. Can, although I'm I'm failing to to get the insect theme on this. So hopefully you can you can I help. Will. It it well it's torn by Natalie Imbruglia, yes. but I'm not sure what the insect is. Nat, Imbruglia. Nat, the insect Nat. Oh, a gnat. see, oh, it's a silent G. Yes, oh, yes. yes. Uh, eagle-eyed listeners or the eagle-eared listeners will recognise the fact that uh, that was also picked as one of the records I never wanted to hear again the other week. Yes. So thank you very much for making me hear that again. <laughs> Cheers. Sadly, it came back all too quickly. I was going to yeah. say, when I said again, I didn't mean in the next week. I meant never again. Uh, but anyway, Nat, Nat Lee and Broody are very yes. good. And toy. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Well done, Juliet Harris. <laughs> Thank you very much. Congratulations to me. I tell you what, playing that Sting track um, mm-hmm. during the week, do you know, I thought how it's been more or less forgotten that he wrote some really great, meaningful songs in the early years of his solo career, say 1984 to maybe 94. Englishman in New York is really rather moving and it wonderful is. jazzy arrangement. And I'd I just say if he'd only ever written... Englishman in New York, he would have achieved greatness. But then add in fragile Russians, the, the lovely uh, fields of gold. Say, they dance of gold would be my pick, I think. Yeah, all this time if I lose my faith in you. So an amazing body of work. So it's hooray for Sting Week here. I agree. I find him very irritating. But yeah, having said that, I, um, I, I should get over that really because you're right. I love the police. I thought they were a brilliant pop band. And I agree with you. He's written some great solo stuff. Although interestingly, a little bit like Bob Dylan, for me, I tend to enjoy his stuff when performed by other people so of course uh, Eva Cassidy's version of Fields of Gold oh, is definitive yes. for me but it just goes to show whenever you have a, a cover that you think well that's a wonderful cover it's because the source material is so good that it can be adapted to do different things that's a sign of a great song I think if it produces great covers. I didn't really enjoy his work with the police so much I thought some of the uh, lyrics from the early police songs were a bit weird you know but sort of teachers getting too close to their yeah, pupils was, and stalking was, and all those sort of things. That was a little bit of its time him that one but um yeah i i I think i can forgive the police most things because i think that that um stuart copeland is one of the greatest drummers of all time i think he's so inventive and i always love that thing and i think it applies to lots of things in life his um copelandism that uh, in drumming the most important beats are the ones that you don't play the spaces that you leave in between and i think that is so profound i've always been a huge fan of that as a philosophy so uh yeah i can uh i can forgive Forgive the the police for having Sting in them, for having uh, having brilliant Stuart Cope and drumming. Also, very entertained by what well, you know those those endless stream of BBC Four documentaries. Mm. They kind of it's just an excuse for a clip show really, and for some yeah. interviews. And they had one that was something like the richest songs of all time. It's basically the songs that made the most money. Right. And, 
uh, every breath you take was one of them because it had been sampled on I'll Be Missing You by uh, oh, yeah. Daddy and uh, Faith Faith Evans um, to uh, to commemorate the Notorious B.I.G. But anyway, they they had this on and it was so entertaining because Andy Summers is so, so bitter about the fact that he feels that the key hook of the song is his guitar hook, that um, when Sting first played the song to them in demo form, it did not have that on it. And Andy Summers was not given a writing credit, despite the fact that he insists that that riff is what people know the song for. The riff was sampled along with, you know, but the, the, the actual guitar riff was sampled. But whilst he did get playing royalties for that, he did not get writing royalties for the for the riff. And it is it, it is almost bordering on entertaining just how bitter he was in that documentary, whilst insisting that he wasn't bitter at the same time. So what can I say? The, the, the police are a, an endless kind of cavalcade of, uh, of wackiness, I must admit. Uh, such... Uh aspects are at the heart of the split and angst mm-hmm. of so many pop groups over the years over um royalty points you know, publishing points sensible ones like Coldplay and u2 for example mm. equally at the beginning despite having one songwriter and i think that is incredibly wise yes i agree coming next in a hostile world Mm. Can there ever be a lasting culture of kindness? Oh, it's, that's right. It's give peace a chance. <laughs> that's right. After this excellent new track from the Oriels. Oh, 
getting quite um, heavy radio play in some quarters at the moment, which is how I first came across it. And I really like this. Uh, the thing I love about it is that it's new music. Both of my tracks this week have have a, something in common, which is it's primarily produced by women. And it's it's it could have both of the songs I've picked this week could have come out of the post-punk era of the late seventies, early eighties, which actually compared to punk, and we'll talk about punk later on, mm-hmm. it was very female dominated, I think, or at least much more female driven. And um, and I love this. It's it's by um, a band that have sisters in it and also a chap. Um, and they're called the Orioles, as you say. This came out on heavily. Um, it's it comes from their latest album, which is called um, I think it's called Disco Volador. This is called the subtitle for this, and I do love things in brackets. Is Disco is Disco Volador, but it's actually a Space Samba. And I I I just can't stop listening to this. I think it it sounds so timeless. I think it's it's just it's fabulous. I'm such a huge fan. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, they're getting a lot of airplay and a lot of press at the moment, and <laughs> I think deservedly so. I absolutely love that. Splendidly uh, esoteric, beautiful arrangement. Um, absolutely marvellous. Back in uh, 2010, a bank clerk from Coventry was walking along a street uh, near her home when inexplicably to to her as much as uh, anyone else I think she picked up a cat from a wall and placed it in a nearby refuse bin and closed the lid it was a terrible thing to do Um, luckily the cat survived Unluckily for the woman, the incident was captured on CCTV and she ended up being fined 250 quid after after admitting to an offence of animal cruelty. Now, it could be argued that this was an early example of the Internet and media pylon. Mm. Um, the inter- independent newspaper uh, at the time ran the headline, Is she the most evil woman in Britain? And uh, Facebook groups were set up with thousands of members with people calling for the woman to be, and I'm quoting, repeatedly headbutted and, quote again, flogged to within an inch of her life, the evil B word. And newspaper columnists who had never met her or spoken to her ran think pieces calling her a loner, a spinster. And um, I was researching this week, one wrote that she looked unfulfilled mm-hmm. um, now 10 years on those internet pylons and news media splash pieces remain with us they've escalated if anything more people than ever now can comment instantly on subjects about which they previously knew nothing um, currently in early 2020 there's something of a backlash various individuals and groups are promoting a campaign for everyone to be kind but jules can a hashtag be kind change the world or have we gone too far down the road of hatred to turn back? Well, it's very interesting that you say that. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an eternal optimist, hence why I'm a, I'm a, a QPR supporter. And yeah. a so, uh, so I am someone who I, who thinks that we can always do things to change. And I think that things have changed for the better over time. And I always think that, that we, that, that humanity goes through, through ups and downs. And I, I would like to think that we could turn back. I certainly think I'm, I'm encouraged by the amount of sort of shock that has been, that the outpouring of of shock at, at what has happened um and by what has happened this is an all a response to the the very sad death of caroline flacker a couple of weeks ago having said this um so so firstly can a hashtag change the world 
yes, I think it can potentially, or it can at least make us review our behaviour because I think one has already, and that was the hashtag Me Too a year or two ago. And you could you could argue that that you know what was it, what was Me Too ever designed to do? And by the way, in in case in case for some reason you ha- you haven't encountered this, I mean I hate the the that kind of oh if you've been living under a rock, but this really does seem to be pretty mainstream. But anyway, um, the hashtag Me Too was was used uh, meant to be used by women primarily to to uh demonstrate how widespread harassment was sexual harassment was throughout society and it really did take off and actually resulted in the downfall of harvey weinstein one of the most powerful people in hollywood um who was actually found guilty of some offenses this week so so i think it can have a widespread i think i think hashtags if they catch fire can have and if they are widespread enough can have an effect however i think sometimes people do miss the point of things um you know again stop me if you're stop stop me if you think if you're unfamiliar with this but um i certainly have some friends that um that are concerned about how uh, it's great that that you know people that are not that are not sort of lgbtq plus um now act as allies and celebrate pride with us that is that is really cool having said that we also have a situation where a friend of mine went over to Brighton last year and the same couple that were homophobically abusing someone then a few sentences later were saying oh yeah because we were out for pride for gay pride (laughs) didn't seem to completely you know marry those two things together was not a thing and a friend of mine had a rather unfortunate incident earlier this week I have slightly um censored this tweet Mm. um this a-hole yesterday was blocking my road and was then incredibly rude when I said I needed to get past. I blocked him in with my car for a laugh and it all got unpleasant. But meanwhile, his wife kept le- yelling at me to be kind through the window. There are times like this I wish I had a machete in my handbag, she comments. I mean, obviously that is meant in jest, and I just point out that I'm not naming my friend who tweeted from an alternative account anyway, hilariously. But still, I it, I worry that it's going to become the new, you know, if anybody, I, I think we, sh- we do need to think about the way that that we express ourselves on social media. I think that is an, and, and the impact that our words can have on other people and the whole idea of people think if you type something on the internet, it's not the same as saying it to someone's face. And unfortunately, the, you know, the, the, that, isn't, that isn't the case. That words do hurt in whatever form. But I do then worry that, that people are then, you know, people that are doing the bullying are then going to go, oh, no, you can't criticise my behaviour. You know, be kind, be kind. I'm a bit mm. worried that it's gonna, it's then going to be used by people who are being unkind as a sort of a kind of a shield to to deflect things. So I, I do think that, that I, I know it sounds so facile, it's facile, doesn't it? But I do think that hashtag style campaigns can have an impact on how we view things and I do think that Me Too has had an impact in that it was always difficult to tell what direction that impact was going to go in but the Weinstein stuff I think is huge because it shows that you know how people of immense he was one of the most powerful people in his industry and he was still brought down by this so I I am encouraged by that and now we're also having wider conversations around pay um, of course we've talked previously about the equal pay uh, fiasco at the BBC that seems to be it seems to be continuing um so i i think it i think it's possible i think it is far more possible than we ever would have thought but i do worry that it's just going to turn into a, another slogan that is bandied around without much thought i've noticed that many of those promoting the be kind movement have themselves a history of unkindness on social sites or on the media and in some cases uh people have seen 
trolling have been lecturing their uh, Twitter followers to be kinder in the last couple of weeks, as you say, that sort of uh, double standards or folding it back in a, in a way it isn't meant to be. Um, and and that is, I think that's a bit like this people, you know, the people of the pylon people who then say to be kinder. It's a bit like a fast food chain putting up be more healthy signs next to a photo of a Big Mac. Um, <laughs> think, it, it, when you were saying there about um, about this, I, I, it made me remember, I, I think there's a very simple adage that is much more, more, more straightforward, something that was taught to me at a very young age and which I should adhere to more and I don't, I don't often enough. And that is, if you've got nothing good to say, then say nothing. So there are very curious events on Twitter, which seems to be eating itself with every passing day. Um, the newly appointed treasurer over here in Britain, Rishi Sanak, um, uh, who replaced uh, Saeed Javid in rather difficult circumstances a couple of weeks ago. Oh, um, Chancellor of the Exchequer, yeah. As Chancellor, yeah. Um, he... Um, he was pictured on he pictured himself on social media with a large bag of Yorkshire tea tea bags um saying you know it was a kind of a look at me I'm making tea for the team and of course you know the whole Tories trying to take the northern powerhouse thing of course it had to be Yorkshire tea um and then there was a rather unseemly pylon online and uh, aimed at the poor Yorkshire tea account. And there was uh, there was uh, and, and the, the person, the poor person running the, the, the Yorkshire tea account wrote a very eloquent thread of tweets in which they basically said, look, we didn't we you know, we weren't in. We didn't ask Rishi Sanak to do this. We'd actually rather that politicians generally and we do include Jeremy Corbyn in that who was pictured with Yorkshire tea two or three years ago. We'd rather that, you know, politicians occasionally do this. We'd rather they didn't. Um, we're getting loads of abuse from people saying that they're going to boycott Yorkshire tea. We had nothing to do with the fact that he wanted to be pictured with tea. Um, can you please remember that there is someone running this Twitter account? And actually, it's been incredibly stressful for me. And can you just bear that in mind? They might have used Be Kind. And then rather lovely, um, the other tea accounts, then PG Tips then tweeted at Yorkshire Tea to offer them a cup of tea, which I thought was rather sweet. But um, one particular woman then went on this kind of day-long rant of mm. tweets at them. And at which point the person then replied and went sue because the woman's name was sue yes, you are shouting yeah. at tea and and they and they were trying to sort of do, and then of course there was then rather a sort of a pile on uh, not exactly a pile on but there was a lot of expression that you know people rather you know i retweeted that i think because i just thought it summed up how and it was actually a very well-written tweet that ended kind of happily but the, the biggest proponent of the person then went, oh, Sue's being bullied, it's not fair, was Owen Jones, who really is king of the Twitter pylon. I will mm. say this, it makes me so cross. Had it been the other way around and it had been someone hammering Labour, he wouldn't have rushed to defend them. And I just think it is so frustrating and so blinkered and so unself-aware, which I think Owen Jones is nowadays. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. And I just, like you say, I think there were certain individuals, so-called woke in individuals that need to really have a look at themselves on this well i think we can summarize summarize it by saying if you, if you know if you come across someone you don't like you don't have to tell them you can just leave <laughs> them be need, you know i don't need to know absolutely yes. you know just even simpler keep your gob shut but i'd like to everyone dislikes me i always work on that basis and then when someone does like me it's a really lucky bonus i'd like to think we're entering a new era of kindness but the bad genie is out of the bottle and we'll never be able to coax it back in i fear well, let's see, yeah what's next 
Is it time for another punk revolution? Oh, Brian James of the Let's see, let's see. Brian James of the Damned, he thinks it, 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 it is. So um, that's coming next, right after Neil Kassar.
dating from the 90s through to last year without ever finding mainstream success from his 2000 album Anytime Tomorrow Neil Casal and Fell on Hard Times I like that very much I've never heard it often with your tracks I've never heard them before and then I enjoy them very much one of the great uh, myths of the punk rock era in the late 70s is that the punk bands all rose up out of the deprived streets and got together from nowhere to bring down the establishment. And you know, if we look at it, the various members of the Stranglers came from jazz or classical music backgrounds. Uh, the police we talked about earlier, Andy Summers, had been in prog rock bands. Uh, Sting was a schoolteacher who played in jazz bands. And uh, Joe Strummer went to a private school in Surrey. Mm. But every now and then, one of the old punk rockers turns up in an interview somewhere saying it's time for another so-called punk revolution. This time round, it's Brian James of the Damned, who in an interview with the Observer newspaper this week said that the music business, quote, needs another giant kick up the behind now. Mm. What do you think, Jules? Do we need another set of prog rockers taking 10 years off their genuine ages and pounding out <laughs> some angry punk rock in the few remaining pubs in the UK? I think my my issue with this is, and this is an unlikely parallel, I know, but my issue with this is with the same people that 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 talk about the need for electability um, and how politicians need to look and be electable. I don't disagree, and as regular listeners know, I have despaired at the the, the directions of my my favourite political party, Labour, in recent years. But what I do get frustrated by is people. Isn't it funny how the answer always seems to be a man in a suit? And and my, and I feel it again with punk. Mm. Whenever people go, well, yeah, let's have punk bands. Punk's making a comeback. It's always shouty men. It's one of the things that drives me really mad about. And it's it's, it's frustrating. I want to like Steve Lamax Six Music Breakfast, uh, a drive time show program when I'm driving home from work. He was the sound of my youth. I really want it to be good, but. Most of the new bands that he seems to pick up on, they're always really shouty. I mean, I really like Slaves, but they are noisy men. Um, Life, they're a new band that Steve Lamatt really likes. They're noisy men. Sleaford Mods, they're noisy men. I, I, I find it so frustrating because I like the idea and the spirit of punk although as you very rightly say to some extent it was a bit of a sham not to be confused with sham 69 haha but it was a bit of a it was a bit of a um you know as you say it was it, it was this idea of rebellion sold to us by people who had some put it this way if you've got something to rebel against then then why are you rebelling is my view i think ultimately you know if you're rebelling against the silver spoon you've got in your mouth I'm not that sure I want to hear from you, really, although that that's perhaps not fair, as I do like The Clash a great deal. One of my favourite bands, Radiohead, all went to public school, although they never tried to pretend that they don't, in fairness to them. So I like the idea of 
music in rules being ripped up certainly when i find that much mainstream music is being so dull and boring at the moment i mean you know we've talked before about people like ed sheeran and lewis capaldi who by the way i enjoyed the chat show guest i have rode slightly back on my not getting of, of, of lewis capaldi because he's very entertaining and we did me and my other half liked him very much when we saw him on graham norton so i i find a lot of the singer songwriter stuff to be extremely pedestrian at the moment and and you know and i i do like the idea of a of a of a, a, a music that's kind of rooted in alternative values being being popular i'm more of a post-punk person as we said earlier on than i am a, a punk person really because i found it to be less homogenous and more more interesting i would like there to be a be a, a sort of a new movement a new vanguard new alternative but can it just not be the same old men doing the same old things can it can it be i'd like a punk movement that has that looks and sounds like post-punk and is and is more forward-looking there was always something very destructive about punk I like the idea. I really want post-punk back, which is why I've picked two post-punk new records this week, because I think that, and I, uh, at this point, I'd like to recommend the excellent, excellent book, Rip It Up and Start Again by Simon Reynolds, uh, which covers post-punk from 1978 to 1984. It's one of the books I think that's influenced my music taste the most. It is absolutely brilliant. And I, and he makes a very compelling case for how post-punk was actually more interesting, perhaps has had more longevity um, than, than things like punk because it was sonically far more interesting. I like the idea of there being something that's kind of rewriting musical rules and, and does have a political ethos to it, actually. I, I, I do feel we're living through a time where that would be apt and that, that, that would go down well, I think, and that would suit the times. But can it not just be the same old three-chord leather-trousered hackneyed nonsense, please? Yes, I mean, the daftness of Brian James's comments highlight how he is almost certainly as out of touch with the current music scene as his con- contemporaries would have accused Keith Emerson or Steve Howe uh, in 1977. But there, there are constant revolutions or evolutions in popular music, just not punk rock ones. Um, life moves on and... Today's revolutionaries are Billie Eilish, Tones and I, and I I think more closely linked to the, if you want to put it in cliche terms, street style of punk, uh, Stormzy, Dave, Post Malone, Lizzo. Um, I think Brian James. I'm a huge fan of Lizzo, again, doing her own thing. I think Brian James has fallen into the inevitable cry of older people uh, forever. You know, oh, it was so much better when I was young. And, uh, well, we all have to move over and let the newer generations have their own revolutions. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think that's it. Like you say, it's just kind of out of touchness. I, you know, I don't think he's saying, oh, I, you know, music needs a, needs a, you know, a new revolution. I just got the impression it was, why doesn't everything sound like it did when I was young? That's yes. when things were really good. And I, I always am a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit cynical of that. And it's always it's always rather sad to hear anyone from any era uh, saying saying that because it's. Um, I don't know. It mean it means you know you're sort of was wishing your life away. Thing, or if only it could be 1977 again. Or exactly. Don't get me wrong. I love Britpop and I love the optimism of the 90s. And occasionally, whilst depressed, I wish it could come back. But having said that, you know. I, all I'm going to be conscious, if there was a new generation of, of bands that sounded exactly like the old Britpop bands, all I would be conscious of is the fact that they sound exactly like the old Britpop bands. I wouldn't be hearing them. I'd be hearing what was before them, if you see what I mean. I would, I'd find it much more interesting. Um, you know, if, if, if like the bands I've picked this week, if you can somehow find a new slant on it. Yeah. Um, and we're talking 
you know, more than more than 40 years ago. And the, the weird, bizarre, almost irony of this is I can remember back in 90, 1977, people in their 60s then were, were, were saying things like, oh, you know, th- this isn't, you know, it was much better in the days of Frank Sinatra and, and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. Which, you know, they're in, yeah. <laughs> in times, I think, but it's that endless uh, nostalgia for uh, a period. I don't think they're looking back. I don't think they're looking back and saying, I want that music again. I think they just want to be young again. And, I think that's uh, it, isn't it really? Why Why isn't everything great like it was when yes. I was young and relevant? Yeah. Thanks very much indeed uh, for listening. It's always great to have you there. Yeah, I disagree. Thank you. And thanks to Hilly and Rona for their help this week. Now, Jules, a band you saw last weekend um, with a with a unique drum kit. Yes, indeed. I uh, I very much enjoyed watching this band. They happened to be on um, uh, supporting the excellent Plaid, who I very much enjoyed at. I think I've picked one of their tunes before, mm. which they played, and I very much enjoyed um, at the Sonics 2020 festival, which has grown out of something called the Sunday Sonics, which was a one day a year thing that used to take place down here. That itself was a fringe festival. Uh, stop me, stop me if you can't keep up to uh, the Fat <laughs> Tuesday celebrations that I'm we making had notes. in Hastings. Yeah, so Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras. Um, um, it used to be a one-day festival in Hastings where bands would play in different pubs and they bands would tour pubs. So it was a little bit chaotic and a little bit and a little bit of well, a whole lot of fun actually. But um, it expanded like all things do, and it is now a five-day festival in Hastings wow. from the Friday to the Tuesday that has an acoustic version on Saturdays when bands run around pubs. Um, it's really good fun. You spend about three or four days if you're in Hastings Old Town, uh, walking past people with double basses on their back as they rush between pubs to play. It's it's a really fun fun thing. And um, James Weaver and uh, and and Lucy Cork uh, set up this festival called the, the their own version called Sonics 2020, which was uh, a two uh, days of um we had a few kind of little events and then two days of different art exhibitions and different performances and it was a really great thing to be a part of i chaired a panel at um women in electronic music above a pub and that was that was enormous amounts of fun it was really interesting last year by the way was you might remember me talking about the radiophonic workshop coming down mm. so it's the same thing and i had the pleasure of seeing this excellent band called massacot i think it's pronounced massacot rather than massico i'm not sure i've, I've only ever se- i've only i saw them live and, and learned of them then um all female from geneva in switzerland happened to be over here on a tour so they they played i thought they were phenomenal and one of the many reasons i thought they were phenomenal is that the drummer had a drum kit that featured not one not two but six different cowbells um it's different <laughs> shapes different sizes putting different bits on the kit and to make it even better she smiled or laughed every time she hit one which was frequently because there were six of them and i think you, you'll tell from this a lot of their music is uh, is heavily cowbell based and as someone that is always shouting for more cowbell i'm a, i'm an enormous fan and like you say perhaps harking back to the days of post-punk but i, I felt they had an energy that brought something new to it so i'd be interested to see uh, if people like this as much as i did uh, the john robb of uh, of various bands was there and enjoyed them very much so uh, i see that as a mark of quality uh, this is um massacot and this is cubics rubik's <laughs>
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>